Hi everyone, I'm Karen Karitzer, CEO of the ARC and Ida Lewis, and together with Heather Evans, our Vice President of Development, we host the ARC Waves podcast. ARC Waves shares best practices and habits of diverse performers and leaders. These inspiring leaders are from all stages of the leadership wheel, from seasoned CEOs to emerging leaders, risk takers and innovators, for-profit and not-for-profit. Our guests are trailblazers, serving as beacons for those striving to be outstanding leaders in the disabilities field and beyond. Hello and welcome. I'm Karen Karitzer. During this episode of Arc Waves, Heather and I speak with our guest, Eric Geiser. Eric is the Chief Executive Officer for the Arc New York, the country's largest not-for-profit organization for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Serving 60,000 individuals, employing 30,000 people, has more than 100,000 members, and has an annual revenue of more than $1.8 billion. Eric has more than two decades of progressive experience in management, quality improvement, policy development, compliance, training, internal controls, and investigations in the public and private sectors, with a specialization in healthcare, managed care, and services for individuals with disabilities. Welcome, Eric, to our podcast. You have Thanks. such a, you have such an impressive background. I'm almost exhausted, <laughs> but it really is wonderful to have you join us today. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Karen and Heather. I'm I'm happy to be here, and uh, thank you for that uh, very generous introduction. <laughs> so I thought, Eric, we could start with you telling our listeners about the structure of the Arc New York organization and your relationship to chapters like ours, the Arcanita Lewis. Sure. Um, so as background, I, th I think you covered it a little bit in your introduction. We're a, a gigantic organization, um, mm -hmm. probably the largest in the country. Uh, we serve 60,000 people across the state with uh, almost 35,000 employees. And the way we're structured is we provide services in every county of New York State through chapters like the Arc Oneida Lewis. Uh, where you provide services in Oneida County and Lewis County, we have other chapters providing uh, similar services in the other counties of New York State. Um, and the state office where I work is kind of the headquarters of the organization, and the chapters are kind of like the divisions of the organization providing the services. That's a great explanation for people who are uninitiated. Thank you. I know, um, just explaining it to Heather, you know, it was just you had mentioned um, a few times since you came in on board as the CEO about the three legs of the organization. And I'm wondering if you could tell a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so we're, we're made up, we're governed by a, a large board. It's called our Board of Governors. Um, and every nonprofit in New York State is required to be governed by our board. Uh, so they're kind of one leg of the stool. Uh, the second leg of the stool is my office, the state uh, organization, which kind of organizes the uh, the organization uh, advocacy efforts and ensures that we're providing high quality services across the state. And and third, and probably the most important leg of the stool is the chapters and the mm -hmm. executive directors that are providing the actual services. Um, and those three components make up uh, the organization and uh, work each and every day to deliver the high quality services that we come to expect. Wow. Absolutely. Um, so I just want to uh, move into a little bit to some of the challenges that our field of the intellectual and developmental disabilities field is facing. I mean, we've really been 
seeing quite a challenge um, over the last 10 years, but really people have talked about the last 20 years in our field and things you know, rapidly changing um, regarding financial and also programmatic changes and budget cuts and government changes, et cetera, and more regulations that always you know, necessarily follow. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk about what you would say are our biggest challenges that we face today in our field, and what is it that the ARC New York is able to to do to help address those challenges? Uh, that's a great question. There's there's actually two challenges, uh, but they're very connected. And the first challenge that we have, which is most immediate, is our workforce challenge. Uh, just like other industries, we are struggling to find uh, qualified, dedicated workforce uh, to help us care for the people that we support. Um, and that is connected to a kind of a larger issue, which is over the last decade, there's been a real lack of investment into our field. In fact, we calculated out that the lack of investment in our field has stripped away almost $5 billion uh, from, you know, supports and services for the people that we serve. And it results in us not being able to um, afford uh, competitive wages. Um, so we're competing with a lot of other industries for the same workforce, which is a, which is a big problem. That's an astounding figure, uh, and to think of the impact that that has on people with intellectual and developmental disabilities is just incredible, Eric. Uh, you know, I was chatting with Karen earlier about the We Are Essential campaign uh, that ARC New York hosted and launched uh, throughout COVID to remind people how important direct support professionals are in the lives of so many people. And when you talk about the size of the ARC of New York and being the country's largest service organization for people with developmental disabilities. I just have to applaud you and the Arc of New York for coming up with that campaign, which I think was so brilliant and so simple, but so important to remind people and underscore uh, the challenges that were faced even before COVID. Well, uh, thank you, Heather. I appreciate that feedback. And I, I would say, you know, part two of Karen's question was really, what can the ARC New York do? Um, and, and that's part of what we can do. We can advocate. Uh, we can lean on state government and on the federal government uh, to recognize our field and our workforce and uh, advocate for investment into our field. And we're starting to see uh, some a positive impact as a result of that advocacy. We certainly saw it in COVID. Uh, and now we're starting to see that there are signs of uh, investment into our direct care uh, salary structure, which I think will be beneficial and hopefully help with some of the workforce shortages that we're having. Great. Um, there's been a number of different um, studies out there, uh, data collection from whether it's from the ARC US um, and a variety of different uh, organizations associations. Some of them talk about 50% nationwide um, vacancies for DSPs, that's direct support professionals, and those are the people that directly provide the care at places um, such as our day programs or um, our residential um, homes or a variety of different locations in the community. What have you um, heard from the ARC New York in terms of um, this status of DSP in New York State for vacancy rate? So we're, we're at about a 30% uh, DSP vacancy rate at this point, which is unsustainable. Uh, and it varies. There are certain counties where it can be as high. I believe there's one county uh, in the North Country where it's it's upwards of 40%. Wow. Uh, so, so globally, it puts a strain uh, on 
on just about every other aspect of the services we're providing. We're asking the staff that we have to do more, to work double shifts, to work overtime, to work harder. Uh, we're asking administrators uh, to do the same and even take on some direct care shifts. So it really has a trickle-down uh, effect uh, across the whole organization, which is why we can we can manage for a little bit, but we're not going to be able to do this long term. Eric, the some of the listeners that we have here, um, you know, across the country and actually even some other countries now uh, for our podcast, maybe aren't really familiar the impact on a day-to-day basis that a direct support professional has in the life of someone who has an intellectual developmental disability. So can you bring that a little bit more to life in terms of why that shortage is so impactful for those people? Oh, sure. I mean, our direct workforce, um, they're amazing. Uh, They are providing just about every sort of support and service you can think of from activities of daily living, which Mm -hmm. means, you know, helping someone get changed and put on clothes and bathing and toileting um, to uh, going to external events uh, and community outings um, to helping uh, individuals eat. Um, So uh, they are integral part of the people we support in their lives every single day. And uh, we could not do it without our direct care workforce. It's also really, I think what's important is underscoring the relationship that's developed between the worker and the person that they're supporting. I think one of the things that um, was incredibly interesting and very, very powerful was the New York State uh, Senate hearing on workforce challenges. Eric, in fact, you participated in that. Yep. Um, incredible, incredible advocacy work and, um, and um, testimony that you gave, and thank you so much for that. Um, but the many, many speakers that were there spoke about the, the challenges. Um, not only were they people that we support and self-advocates uh, who were talking about you know, the disruption in their lives when there is so many uh, different staff that come in or the relationships that they've lost when staff leave, um, but also, you know, how important it is that we have some stability and recognition and really, truly um, respect for the people that um, are out there, our workforce, um, and doing the jobs that they do and, and recognizing the relationships that they have. Um, <clears throat> can you talk a little bit, just to pivot a little bit, about the priorities um, of the ARC New York and I've been very fortunate to be part of the strategic planning process, um, and which has been a wonderful experience. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Oh, sure. Um, so uh, for the first time in 73 years, almost it's almost unbelievable, uh, we actually have uh, produced and uh, executed our strategic plan, which really lays out the direction and the goals of the organization long term which I think we needed more than ever because uh, times are tough now mm-hmm. with money and our workforce. So we really do need to be guided by our, uh, our principles. And uh, that this plan has uh, helped us, I think, really solidify what we want to focus on. And those things are making sure that the chapters are fully staffed, uh, that our staff are adequately paid, uh, that our advocacy is strong so that we can make sure that the people we support have all the services that they need. Uh, things like that are what's embedded into the strategic plan. And uh, it's been a real delight to to produce that and, and have it guide our activities. And with such a large organization, right, I mean, across the state, so important that we're all 
aware of the the plan, the priorities, participating in it, using our expertise that we might have. And I think you um, and the Arc New York has done a, a wonderful job in really making sure that the communication is at that high level when you're trying to really roll out and produce a strategic plan that's going to be effective um, and really make a difference. You want everybody on the same page. Yeah, you have you have to have that. Um, and we spoke earlier about the three legs of the stool. Um, and if we're not all on the same page with one another, uh, we're not going to be as effective as we need to be. So I'm committed to transparency and listening to the stakeholder groups. And that includes all legs of that stool, um, because without without support from from everybody, we will not be successful. You know, Eric, it's interesting that you mentioned that because in reading through uh, your website and researching this, I looked at the advocacy priorities, and my first thought was one of your secret skills must be juggling. (laughs) (laughs) Because each one of those 14 advocacy priorities is absolutely a priority. Um, But the communication piece and how uh, your group does such a fantastic job of detailing each of those priorities and makes them understandable and also provides an actionable step. I thought was uh, just underscores what you just shared with Karen about the importance of transparency and communication and making sure everyone is on the same page. Um, but but keep juggling, my friend. <laughs> well, I, I I think that I think that's a good uh, analogy. But I I would also kind of counter it with, it's uh, while I do juggle, um, we have a tremendous amount of skill uh, mm-hmm. and talent in our organization, and you know whether it's Karen or you at your chapter or throughout our other 36 chapters in the state, if we're all working together, we can rely on some of that talent to help me juggle. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's fantastic. I think it's also, um, we often get uh, parents or loved ones asking what they can do to help advocate. They're concerned um, with with um, so many vacancies in our direct support um, workforce that is it going to close programs? Is it... What does it mean for for their loved one? And they want to know what they can do. Do you have any suggestions for them? Yeah, actually. um, And it kind of lines up with our strategic plan, which is they have to be a part of our advocacy campaign. In other words, um, you know, me making calls to senators and assembly people is is great, uh, but it's much more impactful if our families uh, can get on the phone with their elected officials tell their stories, tell their concerns and their challenges, and ask for support at the uh, state and federal level. Uh, We actually have uh, links, I believe, on our website to all the elected officials in your particular territory throughout the state, and we try to make it as easy as possible to share those stories. So that's what I would ask families to do. We'll make sure that we have also, Eric, the website address for the ARC New York, as well as contact information for the organization. So in case they, you know, they want to look into it more or have questions, they'll, they'll absolutely be able to find you. I'm going to pivot a little bit here. Uh, what are some accomplishments, Eric, you have seen since coming into the position as the CEO? Um, I would say uh, uh, I've already mentioned the strategic plan, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, But I'm also really proud of um, we've developed a newsletter, which is now being sent out uh, very broadly, kind of explaining, you know, what we're up to and what we're achieving and where we need help. Uh, And I think on the advocacy front, uh, when I took the job back in uh, the beginning of the year, it was clear that we really needed to um, solidify our advocacy efforts. And uh, I think we've 
we've done that to great extent. We still have a ways to go, but uh, our advocacy, like in COVID, I think was really positive and resulted, I think, in us uh, being reimbursed for our protective equipment and also prioritization of the people we serve for getting vaccinations uh, and our workforce as well uh, being prioritized as essential. So um, those things matter and uh, we have had some recent successes. Excellent. Um, and then what would you say that success looks like for our field in the next two to three years? Uh, Number one, uh, making sure that we fill uh, our vacancies for our workforce. Mm -hmm. Nothing nothing happens without a, a solid and stable workforce. So if we're able to uh, in, invest in our salaries and fill those positions and make sure that we don't have the turnover, I think that would be a tremendous success for the organization, but more importantly for the people we serve and support. I think that's going to it's going to really impact their lives in a positive way. And that's that's what we're doing and trying to do each and every day. I think that's fantastic. I think, um, you know, a salary investment for people uh, in that role, direct support professional, is important. And also as part of that outreach and trying to fill those positions, relaying how rewarding that role can be. You know, yeah. it, it does yep. come down to more than just money for so many people. Having that impact and having a a way that you can interact and change someone's lives forever is a powerful gift to be able to give. Yeah, Heather. And actually that, that if I can just take a moment to mention our, our campaign, uh, which is a statewide campaign, which is discover the rewards. Uh, and it's really discover the rewards of the position. It's, it's not all about money, although money is important, Sure. but it's the, it's, you know, you, you have relationships with the people you support and they kind of become like family members and friends and each day is different. And there's a lot of benefits to this sort of work that I think people don't always think about. And we're trying to capitalize on that, make it known to people because a lot of people are, are really rethinking their life decisions in terms of their work choices. And this may be an opportunity for them to come work with us. Absolutely. I think it's a little bit of a silver lining that we had this pause uh, in life. So one more question, and then we have to turn it around to the lightning round questions, which Heather has a lot of fun at. Okay. <laughs> um, what leadership lessons, Eric, have you learned earlier in your career that prepared you for the role uh, as CEO of the ARC New York? Uh, I, I would say uh, probably to listen more than you speak. Um, I am the first one to admit I don't know everything. Um, I have some opinions and thoughts, but there's a lot of smart people uh, in our organization who have a lot of great ideas and thoughts, too. And I think together we can make the best decisions possible. So not not being overconfident, making sure you're working and listening to other people um, and um, being transparent. Trust. I, I've really learned that it really boils down to people trusting that what you say is what you're going to do and that you're going to listen and consider. And uh, if you have established trust, I think the organization can move forward uh, and move forward effectively. That sounds like a perfect description for a wonder, wonderful collaborative leadership style. Absolutely. Thank you. I think, you know, just in our my, my time that I've been here in my position, I've been Almost 11 years coming up this January, um, and I know you came in shortly after that, um, not as the CEO of the Art New York, but um, 
I forget what position, but I know um, it was at the at our state office and extremely helpful from the second you came in. So I, I always appreciate um, just the transparency, the communication, the um, the like you, the expertise that we have across the organization um, that you can really connect with and, and share ideas and, and maybe get some some interesting and innovative programs and services up and running. Um, so first of all, thank you so much, um, Eric, for, for sharing all this with our listeners. The ARC New York, I think, is really such a huge part of our history here at the um, ARC and Ida Lewis. And we appreciate the advocacy of, of all involved in the ARC New York um, and in our field. So at this time, I get to turn it over now officially to Heather, who's going to do the lightning round questions. Are you ready for these, Eric? They're just some fun, simple questions that I think uh, give you a chance to step uh, away from the leadership serious hat that we wear at the start and uh, give people a chance to let to know you a little bit more. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm nervous, but ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. First one, what was your dream job when you were a kid? Oh, well, I if I have to be honest here uh it would uh, nba basketball player but uh, <laughs> being five foot ten um it probably was unrealistic um uh, my parents wanted me to be a doctor um but uh, i gravitated towards uh, my, my my educational background is in counseling psychology i have a master's so i was initially going to be a, a therapist or or work in that sort of setting and i kind of gravitated more towards the administrative side and kind of worked my way up um, into the world of disabilities from there. Interesting. So that would kind of jump into a next question. What was your favorite class in school or college and why? Um, my favorite class, uh, it would have to be one of the psychology classes I took, uh, maybe abnormal psych, although it made me have a complex. I, I, <laughs> I thought I had everything I studied. Um, so I, I, I would say, uh, a quick answer would be, one, at least an introductory psych course where it introduced me to the field. Well, I would I would say that uh, if you felt that you had each one of those, it probably means you're a very empathetic person and you were able to closely <laughs> identify with the descriptions. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, how about the best concert you ever went to? Uh, actually, this summer, Dave Matthews Band. Oh, um, nice. Uh, I'm a big Dave Matthews fan. I've been probably to 20 to 25 concerts and this uh, this year, maybe it was because we've been stuck inside for two years, but he, he nailed it this year. Oh, my gosh. I saw him once in the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. That is, uh, you know, it's like having a concert in a tin can. <laughs> very, very talented group. <laughs> very much so. Um, do you have a favorite hobby? Uh, I, I enjoy um, working out. I still play soccer, um, although you might not say that if you saw me playing soccer. Um, uh, so I, I like to focus on, I think, uh, exercise and health uh, as much as I can uh, in this role. Did you grow up playing soccer? I actually grew up playing basketball. Okay. Um, and then when I graduated, a, a friend said, "We need a we need a we need a warm body, uh, and you you seem to fit the description." I said, "Okay, I'll uh, I'll give it a try," and I was hooked. Where, where, where are you from, Eric? I'm from uh, Clifton Park originally, New oh, York. Okay. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, I'm actually a big basketball fan myself, so I love watching the kids play basketball. I never could play basketball. So I can't make a layup to save my life. <laughs> um, what's your favorite place to travel to or visit? Uh, the Adirondacks. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I've uh, I've climbed 31 of the 46 high peaks. Wow. Although, well, before, but but not in recent years. Uh, okay. I've been stuck. I've been stuck at 31 for about a decade. 31's just a way station. There you go. <laughs> Do you have plans to complete the other 15? Uh, if I can find a partner in crime, uh, my wife is not interested in some of these uh, <laughs> extended excursions. If sure. You will. Yeah, some of them are really. You have to be totally prepared. Yes. Yeah. No. That that's an impressive accomplishment to do thirty-one. I mean, those those peaks are can be very very challenging. Good for you. That's awesome. Thanks. We'll keep our ears out for any partners in crime. Okay. <laughs> uh, what was the last show you binge watched? The last show, actually, we just finished season two of Ted Lasso. Oh, oh yeah. I haven't seen great. that one yet. I hear so many great things. Good show, a feel good, um, not a lot of bad language. It's a, it's a family friendly, nice show to watch. Awesome. And final question Who inspires you and why? Oh, wow. Um, definitely my dad. Uh, who unfortunately is uh, he's in a nursing home now, but he um, just how he focused on family and his career. Um, I remember being younger and saying, you know, if I grow up and I'm even close to what he's like, I will have been successful. And uh, uh, he inspires me to do better each every day. Eric, you weren't supposed to make us uh, get choked up here. That's a a wonderful sentiment uh, to share. And I'm sure your father is extremely proud of you, knowing uh, all that you've accomplished. And it sounds like you absolutely measure up 100%. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thanks, you guys. It's been a pleasure to talk to a fellow Geneseo Knight. (laughs) Likewise. (laughs) And I look forward to meeting you in person soon. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to turn it back over to Karen. Yeah, I, okay, and again, thanks. I just want to thank you, Eric, for sharing everything you did today, your perspectives, your experience. Um, and uh, again, it's it's a pleasure to, to be part of the ARC New York family, um, and uh, it's great to have you as our, our leader. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, and uh, maybe we'll have you back uh, uh, for a later visit sometime, and uh, we'll hear about the more successes that, uh, that you've had. And how many peaks you've climbed since we talked to you last. Well, I I, I hope to have updates. I I hope to have updates on all those things. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you for your leadership at the chapter. And uh, I appreciate just being a part of the show. Uh, My first podcast. So uh, breaking new ground here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Eric. Take care and have a nice day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Disclaimer, the views, ideas, and opinions expressed in this podcast are only those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the official policy or position of the Arco Nida Lewis chapter, the Arc New York, or any other agency, organization, employer, or company.